John Kreisnick coming to you once again from inside Franklin Hall to talk all about the latest and greatest IU baseball news. And, Stefan, we get to talk about a victory weekend this weekend for IU baseball, 2-1 series victory against Purdue, three wildly entertaining games. We had a close decision to Purdue on Friday night, a blowout win by IU on Saturday, and then the 13-inning marathon slugfest a walk-off homer victory from Logan Kalitha game, whatever that was on Sunday that kept us in there while the Masters were going on. <laughs> but, um, yeah, just, Stefan, what what did you make of this past weekend for IU Baseball? Uh, this was definitely the most exciting weekend for IU Baseball probably since the start of the year when they had those tournaments uh, down south. Uh, very, very exciting games. Even the blowout game well, was exciting until maybe until the very end. But just three very different games, I guess. That first game was just ugly i guess if you're an iu fan it's you were in the game the whole time you had an outstanding performance from your starter jonathan stever he kept you in the game the entire way and to kind of have it end on a bad error there by um freshman justin walker not ideal definitely um ends up costing you the game but to be able to bounce back on saturday with a dominant 14 to 1 win and then i mean that game on sunday was outstanding probably their most exciting game this season their first extra inning game, um, and Logan Kalitha getting his second walk-off home run of the year, his first one being the walk-off Grand Slam earlier this season against South Alabama, now getting this walk-off against Purdue in a game where he he struggled offensively. I think he might have been 0 for 5 or 0 for 6 going to the plate before he hit the home run, so definitely great to see the resilience by him, the front-page man, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> so uh, exciting weekend overall. Um, IU definitely has to be happy be being able to come out with – two wins that's a that's their second that's their first real big 10 series the one against iowa they only played two games they split those so to come out be able to win a series against an in-state rival a team that is pretty pretty decent and has shown signs of life throughout the year so an exciting weekend for iu big wins for iu and they got some great momentum after that last win kind of going forward here yeah i mean it was just a really fun atmosphere at Bart Coffin Field throughout this weekend, obviously, and now you produce series bringing in the people on both sides of the rivalry to come into the stadium, but we had great crowds all weekend long at, at Bart Coffin Field. The weather, for the most part, cooperated with IU. From what for, we've seen this year, the weather was ideal yesterday. Exactly. <laughs> may, may have been a, li yeah. a little bit chilly, but considering there was <laughs> not too, I mean, there was a bit of snow coming out at the end of Friday's game, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> but all things considered, the weather cooperated as well as it has for IU this season. Um, the end result has the Hoosiers go to 22 and six overall this season, three and two in Big Ten play, and that something that can't be lost in the importance of not only taking a 2-1 series win at home, not only having that series win be against Purdue, but also even though you're only two series into Big Ten play, if IU really is going to contend for the right to host a regional and the super regional, they're going to have to have a really strong conference record to get a high seat heading into Big Ten conference play. And that starts with kind of riding the ship in terms of getting your conference record up to 3-2 and two before you really hit the stride in the meat of that Big Ten schedule. Yeah, and it's kind of hard for IU with so much uh, moving around their schedule. They haven't as I mentioned earlier, this is their first real complete Big Ten series, and I think they showed that there's a reason they're the top team in the Big Ten heading into the season and, and what they've shown throughout the season. Uh, I mean, Big Ten, it's it's been decent this year. There's some teams up there that have uh, really shown that they're going to be contenders, but IU, you have to be happy just you know getting conference wins, getting conference games in, being able to play those and coming out with victories and especially being able to grind out a 13-inning victory like that. That just feels good. It, it almost makes the win feel even more than a win, knowing that you grind it out for that long. I mean, 
You had Matt Lloyd go out there and pitch five scoreless innings, his longest outing of the season. That's your having your guy that bats second in your lineup go out there and get the win for you in a five-inning relief performance. I mean, that's so impressive for a team. It shows how much depth they have on the team. And now with you know they got a game coming up against Indiana State on Tuesday, then another Big Ten series over the weekend hosting Northwestern. After that, you got two midweek games against Notre Dame and Ball State, and then Big Ten play really starts kicking off. So definitely IU is kind of coming around and playing some of the best baseball they've played this year at the right time, heading into you know the strong part of the schedule with Big Ten play. And we knew heading into the year that they had that strong Big Ten schedule at the end of the season. So it's going to get really exciting here for IU. There's going to be some big games coming up, and they're coming around at the right time. Yeah, I mean – the thing about this IU team as well, too, is you touched on it on your sidebar after yesterday's game, which you can check out at idsnews.com slash sports. Just click on the baseball tab. You get all our baseball news, all our baseball podcasts. But you talked about the depth in this team, and that's something that was on full display yesterday, not only when it comes to having the ability to turn to guys like Matt Lloyd and Cal Kruger for reliable relief performances out of the bullpen, but we had a number of defensive replacements coming to yesterday's game, and we had – after about a week and a half or so of the Justin Walker versus Jeremy Houston battle where Justin Walker took over Jeremy Houston's starting spot at shortstop, we had both of them working in tag team unison in the latter half of the game yesterday as we moved into extra innings with Justin Walker at second base, Jeremy Houston at shortstop, and that switch putting him in there kind of worked to perfection for Chris Limonis because you had instances where earlier in the game Justin Walker made a couple errors, but when you go into the, the crunch time late in the game when there was extra innings in a tie ball game, both Walker and Houston made some spectacular diving plays to keep Purdue off the board, off the base pass, and ultimately contributed to the IU victory. Yeah, the, you definitely the depth on this team really showed itself this weekend, particularly in the final game against Purdue, and it, it's – it's impressive to see that Jeremy Houston was able to come in that role, and he made a huge play in, in the 12th inning to kind of describe what happened there. Lloyd gave up a leadoff double, uh, and then the runner got to third with two outs, and Houston made a ranging play to his right and a long throw across the diamond and got the guy out to, to end the inning and keep um, Purdue off the board, which then we saw what happened in the 13th with Kalitha's walk-off. So it's, it's impressive to see. You know Houston he can't be happy getting benched. You know he wants to be out there, and the thing, the message that we got when talking to Scotty Bradley yesterday and talking to Coach Lamonis after the game is that everyone understands their role and everyone understands the depth on this team, and no one's getting upset when they're getting benched. They're they're understanding the role, and when the situation comes, when they get the opportunity, they're taking advantage of it. And I think that's what we saw yesterday with Jeremy Houston. And there's so many players that are coming in and out. I know Colby Stratton came in. Right. Um, we, and I mean, even had a guy like you know a freshman Cole. I mean, there's something we can get into here in a second. Mm -hmm. Freshman Cole Bar starting at third base in place of Luke Miller, who was, for all intents and purposes, internally he suspended. Was, he was. So what Lamonis had said was he was suspended. Uh, in internally suspended on Saturday, um, and then we were told that he was available on Sunday, just didn't play because he was sick or something like okay. that. That's what we were told. It's the official word. Yeah, that's yeah. the official word. That's with the Luke official Miller. word. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I mean that that point just serves to the point of having so many different players who can come in. A guy like Scotty Bradley coming in at first base, you know, getting knocked down in kind of a, a weird bang bang play yesterday. That was a, that was a football move. A runner's <laughs> interference call. But there are just so many pieces of this IU team that can slot in wherever, and all these 
all, all these guys going in at maybe not even their number one positions, going into maybe their even secondary positions. And then you look at the outfield. You have Logan Kalitha making diving catches at the wall. No one's really running super well on Ryan Feynman at the moment. He's being able to gun guys down at second base with a pretty good, at a pretty good clip so far this season. So just wherever you look on the defensive side of the field, Chris Moss has talked about this IU team having the potential to be an elite defensive team, and they maybe haven't shown it up to this point in the season with some costly errors and just some plays that they would like to have had back and some plays that they'll learn and grow from, hopefully, from their perspective. But at least yesterday, towards the latter half of the game, it was the IU defense that kept the Hoosiers in the game. Yeah, it's so interesting because as bad as the IU defense has been at times, they've been just as great at times. I right. mean, a real, in, a real Jekyll and Hyde kind of look yeah, to them. Yeah, I mean, if that, uh, talking specifically about that 13-inning game on Sunday, they had some, some really bad plays in the early innings to get themselves down in a 5-1 hold. Uh, the defense was just not helping out starter Cameron Beecham. But then towards the end of the game, uh, we, we saw Walker, who had a pretty tough series defensively, uh, come out and make some outstanding plays, especially when he shifted over to second. Jeremy Houston, who came into the game with seven errors, played an outstanding shortstop after he came in. Uh, Logan Kalitha made an outstanding catch on the wall or running into the wall. So we, as uh, like I mentioned, as bad as some errors have been, there's been some outstanding plays. I mean, even from Matt Gorski, he's shown signs of how great he is out in left field. So it, it's it's just a strange situation because we know how good this IU defense could be, and Lamonis talks about that. And it's almost like those simple plays, they kind of overthink it or, or whatever happens. I don't even know. But it seems like the simple plays, the, the double plays that are, you know, tailor-made double plays – they think too much about it. Or they take their eye off it, trying to go too fast, trying to turn it too fast. And Looking it looks too much like Andrew Hussey on the idea of sports and <laughs> real softball team. Exactly, exactly. So it, it's just a matter, I think, of just slowing down, making sure you got the ball in your glove before you start trying to make the throw or, or whatever the case may be. And I think they can improve that. They're going to need to improve that because they've been getting away with you know some games that they probably shouldn't have won. They that 13 in game was exciting, but they probably shouldn't have won that game with how they started off defensively. So right, Purdue was up five one. Yeah, Purdue was the up first four innings of the game. Yeah, and it was just uh, as you know, Beachamp didn't have his control exactly as you would want him to have. But regardless of that, I mean, the defense wasn't helping him out on some plays, and 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 IU they can turn it around. I think they I think they will turn around. I think the defense will clean it up, and then when they can do that, I mean, geez, it's going to be hard to beat this team, especially for the rest of the Big Ten because. I mean, the biggest problem for IU has been their defense. Maybe, I mean, you could look at that third starting, third, fourth starting pitcher spot that that could be a problem. But when this, if this defense comes around, if they start making the plays that they should make, it's going to be very hard to beat the Hoosiers. Right, and you even look at what they're doing on the offensive side of the plate as well. You talk about a slow start, down five one within the first four innings of the game yesterday. Took the IU bats a bit, a bit of a while to warm up and really get to the Purdue pitching staff. But once they did, the IU showed a great ability to manufacture runs again. And also Justin Walker, as you know, much as we focused on him coming in for Houston in the defensive role at shortstop, he's proven to be a much better hitter than Houston mm -hmm. has been so far this season. I think he's collected a run in almost every game he's started so far this season. Yeah. So he's done just a great job of sliding in to the bottom half of the IU lineup and contributing, something that Houston hasn't really done at the plate still. He's still at a 186 average for the season. Yeah, and what Lamonis was saying that was um, – a lot of what Houston was struggling with on defense or what he was struggling with on offense, one thing was affecting the other. He you know, he was letting his offensive struggles affect him on defense. And with Walker, we have not seen that. I mean, he's been outstanding at the plate, and he's getting 
even when he's not getting hits, it seems like he's getting productive outs. Uh, in that first game that IU lost, Walker went 0 for 2. He didn't have any hits, but he had two RBIs. So he's getting productive outs, and he's uh, offensively and on the bases, he's passing the eye test for sure. So, I mean, as, and it, it was a tough weekend for Walker as well. When you think about it, this was his first time being the starter going into the series for IU. Right. Um, and it's coming against your biggest rival being Purdue and the team that your dad used to play for. So yeah. there was just there was just so there, much. There was a lot going on. There was there. a lot going on if you're Justin Walker and you're a freshman on top of that. It's hard to balance, and I think uh, Lamonis will definitely let it slide. I will let it slide too. It's a tough situation to be in, um, but I think he showed that for now still he's earned that starting role at shortstop, and I think – I think Houston will still be in consideration, and I think after yesterday we might see some situations where Houston's at shortstop and Walker's at second base, um, maybe even move Lloyd over to first. That And that just goes back to how much depth is on this team, how many different combinations they have. But but in terms of Justin Walker, I think he had an outstanding weekend, and he mentioned that you know he had the error that kind of cost him the game in the first game, and he said he thought about it a lot. And I mean, as you would expect, it, you know, it's tough to tough to be in that situation. It's tough to cost your team the game, but he bounced back great on Saturday. Bounce back great on Sunday for the team, and I think going forward that he's going to be a very vi- vital player for the team. Yeah, and that's a piece that IU is going to have going forward as well. You look at it, maybe not in the short-term play, but even next year or two or three years from now, you can have that kind of potent shortstop duo if you can have Ju- uh, Jeremy Houston and Justin Walker both vying for that position, having some healthy competition there for years to come. And if Jeremy Houston ends up giving way to Justin Walker, I know it's a long-term play, but mm-hmm. it looks like that position, regardless of whoever's going to have it, is going to be in good hands because both tremendous on defense and given the right mindset at the plate, they can do things as well on offense. Yeah, and Lamonis talked about how Houston, it's not, Houston's swing is good. They like Houston's swing, and they think that they don't really need to make any major adjustments to it. It's just a matter of him, you know, getting in there mentally and and just being confident in himself and his, what his ability of what he can do. And I think he's shown uh, that he's able to do it. It's just a matter of converting and coming through with that, and, and hopefully he, he can turn that around this year. And I mean, there's just there's so many storylines in yesterday's game. Where I know Cam and I were trying to figure out what <laughs> what to do for the sidebar, and every time it seemed like every time someone would come up to the plate, be like, "Oh, if he hits a walk off, he's the sidebar." You know, <laughs> Jeremy Houston came up and were like, "Wow, what if Houston hits the walk off?" And it was after he had made a trem- it was after Houston had made a great defensive play, mm-hmm. turning a double play with Matt Lloyd on the mound to keep the game tied, and Walker made a couple good ones to believe in the tenth inning as well. Mm-hmm. So there were just so many. There were storylines just all over story the field for IU. Scotty Bradley with the tying home run in the seventh inning, and he seems to just only come through with clutch hits for IU this season. He had IU's other walk-off victory against Northern Illinois. So there were just so many possibilities on who could win the game and what it would be, but it ended up being the leadoff guy, Logan Kalitha, coming through in the clutch again for the Hoosiers. And I think that goes to how much powers on this team. I mean, yeah. you had Kalitha who's batting leadoff. He's hitting home runs for you. Then you got Lloyd, who we've seen can mash into – to the best apartments in San Diego. Um, we've seen Sauer show his power. Feynman, even Gorski recently has been showing some power. Um, Walker had a grand slam earlier this year. So as good as this offense is, you know, in terms of getting walks and getting hit by pitch, they're just as good um, in terms of hitting the long ball. And that's, I mean, especially as the weather starts getting warmer, uh, the balls are going to be flying out. I mean, the fact that Kalitha and Bradley were able to hit a home run in yesterday's weather is hard to believe because hitting uh, home runs in cold weather like that is very difficult to do. Um, so that just goes to show how much power is on this team. And Bradley technically isn't even the starter, and he's coming off and getting walk-off wins for right, you guys. Yeah. So, I mean, 
that's just, I mean, again, back to the depth that this team has, it's just ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at the three starting outfielders, Sowers, uh, Sowers, Kalitha, and Gorski, and then just going into the infield, a guy like Bradley, Lloyd can kind of shift through a variety of positions in the infield in addition. He hasn't pitched a ton this season, but again, he came in with his longest outing as an IU player yesterday going five innings, and that's not to mention that IU had other options in the bullpen that didn't even have to entertain. We saw B.J. Sable get up and get warmed up a couple times and even have to go to him. It's been a while since we've seen guys like you know Tim Heron and Brian Hobby pitch serious minutes for uh, serious innings excuse me, for IU. We even had younger guys who started the game yesterday. You know, Cam Beechamp only lasted 3.1 innings, but he got to have some tough jams limited Purdue to only one run allowed from a situation in which they had the bases loaded and I believe no outs. So just not allowing the lead to balloon up at the early part of Sunday's game was just as important as Kruger and Lloyd coming in and shutting things down in the back end. Yeah, and even after uh, Beechamp came out, uh, Connor Manis came in. He gave him an inning and two-thirds. And region rat. No to region or head. Region rat. Uh, Inning in two thirds. I think he only gave up one run, but it was unearned. I think it was in the. He it came was, in for a yeah, jam. Yeah, it was part of. Yeah, it was, it was part, part of, of B champ. So I mean, it's it's good to see guys like that. And then Cal Kruger after a tough game on on Friday, be able to come back and give you three perfect innings, um, in that game on Sunday. So I mean, yeah, as you mentioned, there were so many guys in the bullpen that we didn't even see, and that goes for um, you got to give credit to Jonathan Stever and Paulie Milter for what they did. Stever, uh, in game one, went eight innings for the team, giving up just two runs, and Milter went. Uh, seven innings, giving up just one run. So, I mean, having those guys go Friday and Saturday, we've talked about this all year, having those guys go Friday and Saturday and go long Friday and Saturday, go deep into the game, just gives you so many options on Sunday in situations where if your starter goes only three innings, you're in a pretty good situation still because you got all those arms available from the bullpen. And then, on, I mean, on Saturday, Lamonis even touched up on that. He was saying that it, it helps so much. It gives him so, so many options on Sunday. And when you're in tough situations, when you're in tough jams, you have a lot of guys available. And I think if the game against Purdue had continued, maybe one more inning for Lloyd. But B.J. Sable had been warming up for a while at that yeah. point. So we could have seen B.J. Sable coming in. Um, Heron had pitched one inning over the weekend. Um, and then Kruger – or Heron had two innings on Saturday. Kruger had one inning on Friday. So Saul Frank was still available. Um Man, who I mean, every everyone basically yeah, was virtually everyone. available. I mean, because even Kruger came in, he only pitched one inning, and Heron had two innings, so he was probably available too. They virtually had everyone available from the bullpen, and that a lot of that you got to give credit to the Friday and Saturday starters. And, I mean, yeah, you talk about that. I mean, this weekend was a perfect example of that. Uh, United able to get the win on Friday night, and they wasted what was a really good performance from John Stever. He was so on Friday night. I uh, just had a really off day at the plate, couldn't couldn't get anything going, especially getting maybe a runner on first base, moving him to maybe second, but never be really able to, cl to, to close the deal from there. I think both the runs on Friday didn't even come on hits. They came on sacrifice-type plays or pop-outs or RBI ground-outs. So they wasted a great performance from Steve on Friday. But, of course, Polly Milter got off to the, a bit of a shaky start on Saturday, but he settled down super quickly. And, of course, it it helps when you put double-digit runs on the board as yeah, well. Milto really didn't have much control in those first two <coughs> innings. He had three walks in the first two or three innings and was getting himself in bases-loaded situations with less than two outs. But uh, he was able to grind out those innings, which was so big for the team. I mean, And, and he didn't have any defensive help either, to be honest. Uh, so he was able to grind out those first three innings, which were very tough. And then after that, the IU offense just seemingly like what they do all year is that they come to a certain point and an inning and everything just clicks and they just start piling it on. And we saw that in the third inning on Saturday when uh, Feynman and Gorski led off with back-to-back -back home runs. IU, well, IU had scored two runs in the second inning and then the third inning they came, they were up 2-1. 
Um, Feynman and Gorski went back-to-back, and then they ended up scoring six runs in that third inning. So kind of blew the game open. And it seemed like as soon as Feynman hit, as soon as Gorski hit it, IU had taken back all the momentum. And, and from there, they were just able to cruise. And, I mean, the offense shows fire. They have some great fire power that can come in spurts or they can come, you know, all throughout a game. And that's going to be big for the team going forward. And they got the potential to go pretty far. And I think they showed that this weekend. Yeah, this was a big measuring stick weekend for in my opinion. Not only having the maturity to kind of take control of a series that could have gotten away from them after the first game against Purdue, but also to to do it at home and to do it in the second Big Ten conference series of the season. You mentioned how it was kind of a mess that first series against Iowa. It was snowing. The temperatures were cold. There was you know some travel restrictions. They were only able to play two games of what was supposed to be a three-game series. And there was a long period in between that series with some non-conference Indiana games. We're talking about the Butler series from, I guess, a week ago now before they re-entered conference play yeah and conference play is going to be very interesting <coughs> iu currently stands at seventh in the conference they're three and two in conference play and i mean just kind of looking through it michigan's off to a six and oh start um minnesota's off to a five and one start and then you got illinois Rutgers, purdue they're all up there purdue started their big 10 play with a sweep at penn state right came in and beat purdue or beat iu in game one so they started off four and oh in conference play so I mean, they're still technically ahead of the Hoosiers. Yeah, four and two, of, right. yeah, in terms of conference IU just play. played so few conference games in comparison yeah, I mean, to most I use, of the other teams. I used three and two in conference play, so that, I mean, that's you can't the least really number of games tell. of any yeah. team. You in can't the Big really Ten, tell right, anything based on um, Yeah, yeah. Five games is, is not. Five games is the least out of yeah. any team. So I mean, and uh, but overall record, I mean, IU is by far the best. I'm trying to see here. I mean, IU has 22 wins. Ohio State has 20, but they're three and three in conference play. And Michigan's got 19. So Michigan, Michigan's looking pretty good. Six and 0 and 19 and 11 overall. So it's it's going to be a tough conference. Um, I use the favorite. I think they they have good reason to still be the favorite. But you look at teams like Michigan, Minnesota had some pretty decent expectations going into the year. Illinois has kind of been a surprise team. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out and you know who's going to end up being the one seed going into the tournament and how all the rankings are going to end up stacking up because i mean i mean i as we say i use only played five games but i mean if their games keep getting canceled that's not going to help them i think <laughs> i think IU wants to go out there and play these games because they know they can of win course these they do, games yeah. so uh it'll be interesting to see how the conference plays out and, and this also goes to you know, the idea with rpis and just making sure that you're taking every opportunity you have to, to bolster your resume in, in the eyes of the committee as well and i'm just noticing this now i hope i'm don't think it's a typo. It says Michigan has won 15 straight games. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so, it's a typo so at all. They, they, they were 19. They won a hot so they were, were four and 11 then, and now they won 15 in a row. Yeah, wow. That's that's, a, that's the beauty. That's, of that's the beauty of scheduling sometimes. <laughs> I guess so. So and that's, wow, that's, that's the beauty of, of getting a good non-conference. IU doesn't play Michigan this year, do they? No, they don't play I this year. So. No, no. Well, that's kind of bummer. That would be an exciting series. I mean, uh, for all those wins in a row, IU still. Obviously has the highest ranking of any Big Ten team. The the latest D1 baseball rankings came out earlier this morning on Monday morning, and IU just remained 10th in the conference, so no movement for IU after the 2-1 the weekend showing against Purdue and after the, um, <coughs> uh, the cancellation in the middle of the week as well. Yeah, I mean, regardless of which poll you decide to look at, IU's in the top 20 and basically all of them, I'm pretty sure, and in the top 10 of, of the D1 rankings, so I don't know. If you want to listen to D1, just because they respect the Hoosiers the most, you can. <laughs> um, and, I mean, their RPI after that Butler weekend skyrocketed. So they're, they, they're a great team. I mean, there's not much more to say about it. They're a really good team. They have a lot of depth. And it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out, especially in the Big Ten. And in terms of scheduling, IU's got a tough schedule coming up, playing so many Big Ten games. 
no, this one I was my microphone. <laughs> almost. When I came St in, the, when broke I came, the I didn't earlier. break it. Someone, no, when I came, Stefan broke the microphone earlier. And he's gonna break it again. See now, see now, someone in the media school is gonna listen to this and report me or something. That's not true. What had happened was I came in and someone had unscrewed the microphone, so it fell off. So I screwed it back in, but tried to turn it and almost unscrewed again. But what were we talking about? Baseball. Baseball. <laughs> before before you <laughs> damage any media school <laughs> equipment any further. You want to do the uh, what do we call it? The four, four three, six two? three four, six, from three. the second call, best. As we call it the I four three two. We might be the <coughs> third best um, double play duo now because there's so much, so much movement going around. <laughs> but uh, if you want to start the four six three, what are uh, see four takeaways from this series? So why don't you give your two? Yeah, I'm just you know talk about the, uh, Friday and Saturday guys. Jonathan Stever and Paulie Melter are the best opening two guys in the Big Ten when you get. Guys who can go out there and just dominate, and you don't have to worry about having, you know, a bullpen guy coming in the fourth or the fifth innings to provide early relief work for at least two of the three days on the weekend. That gives you so much more flexibility with that Sunday game if something doesn't go quite to plan like it did yesterday with Speed Champ. And that's why you're having Matt Lloyd and Cal Kruger fresh and ready to combine to throw what was seemingly the last billion innings of that game just because Steve and Milta gave you such quality starts on Friday and Saturday, two starts that were good enough for a pair of value victories. But nonetheless, they did their jobs on the mound. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say my takeaway is that defense is, is still struggling a little bit in some key situations, and as good as IU's been, they're going to need to fix that defense a little going forward because if you're getting in close games, again, you know, maybe Purdue, maybe you don't think Purdue's the, you know, one of the better Big Ten teams. If You know, if this happens in a game against Michigan or, you know, that 13-inning game, if they play like that against Michigan or against Minnesota, that could very easily turn into a loss. So defensive struggles has, has been the major – fault in the team I guess so far this season they're going to need to turn that around going forward deeper in the conference play yeah I'm just going to talk about the resiliency of Justin Walker I mean we kind of harped on the kid a bit just being only a freshman having some some costly errors things that have cost IU games you know plays that you would expect maybe a Big Ten shortstop to make but each time he messes up he seems to redeem himself in one way or the other whether or not that's by making another solid defensive play only an inning or two later or even coming up and being such an offensive threat from the bottom of the order unlike Houston so for a guy who's going through a lot of changes right now a lot of stuff being thrust at him at once Justin Walker's seemingly have a really good bounce back ability and that's something that is really says a lot about his confidence and something that's going to be an asset moving forward, just the ability to kind of shake off what's just happened and focus on the future. Yeah, and then my last take will end up being the um, kind of based on the rankings. I think teams are really starting to respect IU. I think going into the year, it's always the, the warmer weather teams are going to have, you know, the higher rankings and, you know, more respect in the rankings simply because they're they're able to play more games, I guess. But um, but my takeaway is that IU starting to get the respect, and I think teams are really understanding how good IU is. Uh, kind of touch up on the most recent rankings. Uh, D1, as we mentioned, has them at number 10. Uh, NCBWA has them at 11. Baseball America has them at 16, and USA Today has them at 11. So they're all kind of floating around that yeah, they're all 10 to 16, really second-tier range yeah. of the comp. Like maybe not one of the elite teams mm -hmm. in the country, but definitely in that second to third tier. You look at Florida, Stanford, Oregon State, they're you know top three. Oregon State? Oregon. It's spelled Oregon. Oregon. All right, Oregon. How, where does Indiana State play? Terre Haute. Yeah, there you go. I Oregon. Anyways, um, they're they're getting the respect nationally, and those rankings are are probably Oregon. might even change by the time the podcast comes out, just yep. because you know Monday, Tuesday is when most of these rankings end up getting changed. Yep. 
Um, but at the time of the podcast, those are the rankings. So that's my takeaways. I think teams nationally are kind of starting to respect IU, and they understand what IU is bringing to the table. And I, it, it still seems like there's no other Big Ten teams popping into these rankings. So, right, yeah. I mean, maybe if Michi- Michigan might be on the move, but it, it seems that, yeah, it seems like IU is the only one in all these. And you figure that would stay probably the case for most of the rest of the season yeah, as well yeah. if things don't go super haywire for the Hoosiers and no Big Ten team really catches a lot of fire. IU would probably remain the highest-ranked Big Ten team for the rest of the season. Yeah. Now we'll transition over to the six. The six players from this weekend that we felt were most important for the team. Uh, I'll start this one. I'll go with my three. Uh, Ryan Feynman is my first mm. one. Um pick he i mean just to have a catcher that can go out there all three games and i mean even with the 13 inning game he's so durable for the team he's i mean it's 31 combined innings it's yeah it's crazy what he can do at catcher <coughs> he's been great defensively gunning guys out um and then he had that home the first of the back-to-back home runs to kind of change the momentum in that second game um and kind of ended up with that iu blowout so i'll give him a star for the weekend a uh, star. Yeah, we'll give him a it's star. Like in kindergarten, we give him gold stars now. Uh, my second grade band. My second will be Mr. Flyball or Fly Route to Flyball, Logan Kalitha. Um, didn't have the best series offensively. Um, made a great play. Uh, on defense in that third game, and then just getting that walk off. I mean, have, doesn't have a great series offensively, and still has a walk off. Still has two a, run yeah, walk off two run home run, and probably the biggest game of the year, maybe. And he mentioned that that was. That one felt better than the South Alabama one. So oh, for sure. I think Kalitha – I mentioned, I said this yesterday on Twitter. Ha- Kalitha hitting this walk-off home run was most the most Kalitha thing that's probably happened all season. <laughs> he just – he does everything so efficiently. So, like, first game – first at bat of the season, he gets on base. You know, he got a walk-off uh, in his third game of his career. And first Big Ten game, he's getting a home run. Now he's getting a walk-off in his first series against Purdue. I mean, he's just – anytime the team needs him, he's there um, – just a great great player probably i mean definitely one of the most player, important players on the team this season so i'll um i'll give him a star as well and then um i'll kind of go for away from the obvious on on the, my last one i'm gonna say colby stratton uh really? didn't get much playing time this weekend uh we saw a lot of cold bar at third but stratton uh did go one for two in that 13 inning game um he played some decent third base and he walked to start off that 13 inning so Kalitha didn't need to hit a home run. Kalitha hit a home run, but all he needed to do was hit a base hit. Um, so Stratton was technically the winning run. Stratton was the sixth run. Kalitha was the seventh. So I'll give Colby Stratton a, a shout-out, I guess, give him a star. And, and I mean, you could even put Cole Barr in that situation because he played well at third base too. But Stratton had the winning run, so I'll give him that. I think, you know, it, it, he's just another example of how much depth is on the team. And to be, on, to be honest, he could – he doesn't play much for IU, but he could probably be an important bench player, if not a starter, for Big Ten teams. You know, um, let alone D one teams. He could probably be a starter on a lot of Big Ten teams too. So, those are my three: Kalitha Feynman and Colby Stratton. Kalitha Feynman, Colby Stratton. Okay, leaves me with a, a pretty good group to pick from this weekend. I feel a little upset that we haven't mentioned this yet, but Logan Sowers became the 22nd player in IU baseball history to reach the 200 hit mark. Did so with a single on Sunday to right field, and anytime you kind of enter that pantheon of IU greats, you pretty much deserve to to be on a notable list, so Logan Sowers will be one of my things, and also just 
what he gives you day in and day out as well. The only senior starting in that outfield on a regular basis. I'm sure he's done a lot just kind of behind the scenes to not only get Matt Gorski, but also Logan Kalitha coming in from JUCO on the same page and to teach them a thing or two about diving, when not to dive, things like that. And also, like I mentioned, 200 hits. Not many players in IU history can claim that, so Logan Sowers would be one of mine. Matt Lloyd had a really rough game on offense. On Sunday, didn't get a hit. I think it was 0 for 5, 0 for 6 at the plate, 0 for 6. But then when you're able to turn in five innings pitched as a closer and as someone who hasn't even been pitching very frequently this season, coming in only for, I think, maybe four or five appearances and all of those being one to two innings at most, that showed incredible longevity. And he just really brushed it off after the game like it was nothing. Talked about how he was a starting pitcher during his first two years of college ball at Iowa Western when he was a freshman and a redshirt freshman. Kind of went back to his roots for that five innings pitched outing. And he said he was willing to go 15 innings for the Hoosiers <laughs> if they needed it. I think his arm probably would have fallen uh, off. I don't think that would have worked. But just to have that mentality and to take it bit by bit, inning by inning, and to put together what he did was, was pretty remarkable given all the circumstances that were in that thing with it being a rivalry game, nationally televised game, and a game to decide the series as well. So it's Matt Lloyd for the second one, Logan Sowers for the first one, and I will give it to... Hmm. You can do both Milto and Stuber. Let me think you here. You can do a two for one if you want. I kind of want to go Scotty Bradley. Right. I kind of like a guy making the most of his opportunities. Maybe didn't expect to play as much as he did this se- uh, in the series, but he did. Came up absolutely massive on Sunday with that home run in the right field. He has some real power yeah. for a sophomore especially. He only seems to hit really clutch hits for the Hoosiers as well. I mean, he's not out there getting constant amount of RBIs, but when he's scoring runs, he's scoring important runs, and he's scoring timely runs as well. And that runner's interference play ended up being a pretty big play in the game yeah. because if that doesn't happen, then you know Purdue's probably got a runner at second. Yeah, runner at a second. A good with chance two to outs, score. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that was, the, was it tenth or eleventh inning? I mean, he's, I, mean I I want to say the tenth or eleventh. Yeah, All the innings 11th. just meshed together yeah. in that game. After, after about the eighth inning, it was just a blur. But in the same way that Kalitha put his body on the line with that diving catch in center field, Bradley put his body on the line just by standing there on first base. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it, as you mentioned there, I guess it was you mentioned. Uh, Sowers' 200 hit another notable streak or m- marker, I guess, this weekend was uh, heading into Saturday's game. Uh, we might talk a lot about Bradley taking advantage of his opportunities. He's not starting consistently, not playing consistently, but he had a streak of, I think, 13 or 14 consecutive plate appearances mm-hmm. where he'd reached base. So, you know, not not getting many opportunities, but when he gets them, he's taking advantage of them. And that's not – I'm not saying 14 to 15 straight games where he's reached base. That's right. 14 to 15 consecutive at-bats where he had reached base. So very impressive, very impressive marker for anyone, especially a guy that's not getting that much playing time. And, you know, he's taking advantage of his opportunities, just as you mentioned. Yep. So that's the 4-6, and we could have had a lot more players. I mean, it was a great <laughs> weekend overall. You could have the whole 20, roster, maybe. Yeah, list the whole roster. Um, but three key moments from the weekend um, – I think it was Jeremy Houston's play in the 12th inning that that really mm-hmm. kind of, I guess, emphasized what, what IU's been doing all year with their depth and having a guy like Houston come off the bench is something Lamona said that just about no <coughs> other team has. Um, I mentioned the play earlier, ranging to his right, making the throw across his body with, you know, with the, the if he doesn't make that play, Purdue scores a run, and, I mean, IU didn't score in the 12th, so they would have right. won the game. So a uh, huge play by him, I kind of – Gave IU a lot of momentum, and I think you know the thirteen. Uh, you know, they didn't win in the twelfth, but going into the thirteen, I still I think they had still most of the momentum, and 
they were able to win on that. So I'll give um, Houston's plays definitely a key moment this weekend. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's impossible not to include Logan Khalifa's walk-off home run there just because of not only the moment that it was for IU in that game, but also what it could mean going forward as well. That could be something that just sends this team on a run, depending on how they take it going into Indiana State on Tuesday night, the Northwestern Series, a couple more in-state games after that, and the rest of Big Ten play. That could be a moment that really turns on the Jets for IU this season. Yeah, and I mean – I'll go with another game. I, you could have a lot of moments from that 13-inning game, but yeah. I'll, go, I'll go to the second game uh, of the series that IU won. I think the back-to-back home runs by Feynman and Gorski kind of yeah. uh, sparked the team. Um, I mean, Lamona said that that was even a spark for the team. It kind of got them going, and they were able to win that game 14-1. to But I think if you pinpoint down to those back-to-back home runs, that was kind of the momentum shifter in the game. And, and let's give a quick special honorable mention to both Cam Beachamp and Pauly Milton for getting out of awkward early game yes, situations yes. both Saturday and Sunday, avoiding what could be really what could have been really bad damage from the Purdue offense yeah, it could have been and allowing the IU offense to, in the case of Saturday, explode right away for the win, and in the case of Sunday, at least claw their way back into the game. Yeah, Lamonis said that um, Milton really didn't have his best stuff, and Milton's had some pretty great games this year, so it's hard, it's hard to say that he's – uh, going to go out there and give you the best yet. I mean, he had a complete game shutout earlier this year, so it's hard to top that unless he throws a perfect game or something. But um, he, he struggled with his control in the first few innings, came back and rebounded from him and gave him a really, really solid outing because after the, about the second or third inning, he just kind of cruised through the Purdue lineup and gave the team a big win. And as you mentioned, B-Champ, he, he did give up um, he gave up four runs, three of them being earned. Um, but it could have been much worse. It could have ended – I mean that five one deficit could have been six one seven one easily. So definitely you got yeah, as you mentioned, great honorable mentions there. I mean they, they showed their worth this weekend. Um I mean exciting weekend. Yeah, I mean let's uh let's wrap this thing up. Let's go with uh, some predictions for this coming week. So we're gonna have four scheduled games at least. Indiana scheduled. S- scheduled asterisk <laughs> scheduled. Indiana State Tuesday night and then the trio of games against Northwestern Wildcats, all of those games. Coming to you from Bart Kaufman Field in Bloomington. Um, I'll put it down now. I'll say 4 0. I'll agree with you on that. I used already beaten Indiana State. That was at Indiana State. I think they'll definitely beat them here at uh, Bart Kaufman. And then we, don't, we don't have a really good read on that pitching matchup either. Obviously, probably not going to be Stever or Milto. Most likely not be Champ, obviously. So maybe I'm trying to think. Maybe Manis s- gave him an maybe, inning. Yeah, gave maybe. him an inning. And maybe give Andrew Salfrank a start. I guess give him another opportunity. If you're feeling super comfortable and you want to be maybe a little risky, I mean, and then as give a freshman a start. Maybe Nicky gets used, a start. They only used four guys in the 13-inning win. You right, know, so you can so, so I was going to be okay Tuesday yeah, night so maybe Friday, going with Friday three and Saturday, innings, four innings. Friday and Saturday only used two bullpen arm. Um, and then Sunday they reused one of those bullpen arms. So, th- I mean, <laughs> bullpen's still available even after a 13-inning right. game. So which Tuesday, is Tuesday has believe. probably a, sh- a strong likelihood of being a bullpen game for yeah, you. Yeah, it could, it could be a bullpen game. Or I mean, if Salfrank goes out and has a good performance, he could get five or six innings out of him. So. And that's the importance of that depth again. You're talking yeah. about now uh, he's got so many options on the table for Tuesday. But, yeah, so you, you thinking for now as well? Yeah, I think for it. I mean, Northwestern's 1-8. and eight. They seem to be struggling right now. They've lost five in a row. So I'd be pretty surprised if they didn't sweep. I think it'd be a bit of a missed opportunity for IU if they didn't See, go, sweep. I going think. into the um, going into the stretch of Indiana games that IU's played, I said they would go seven and two. One of those games got canceled. So that's, so, that's null and void then. So it's null and void. Sorry, can't. See, I would have been wrong if they beat in, if they <laughs> had beaten Indiana State. I would have been wrong, but it's null and void. So 
to what would they go? Seven. If they beat Indiana State, they would be seven and one. Jeez, I think that was a lot of math, and I've been up for like twenty four straight yeah, hours. Cam's, Cam's, Cam needs to go take a nap. So take a nap, yeah. So um, once again, from Franklin Hall, uh, I'm Stefan Kaishnik with Cameron Drummond. Um, thanks for listening. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening, as always.